thanks for connecting with our online content at Holy Trinity Church in Richmond. We really hope that what we share with you will be a blessing and will help you to continue to grow in your knowledge and love of God. Church. Uh, it's great to be back with you as we come back to Abraham and walking with him, walking with God. Uh, if it would be helpful for you, there is a full text of the sermon at the back, either if you are hard of hearing or you find it hard to focus, uh, that's there for you. There is also place on the back of the pew sheet for you to take sermon notes if that would be helpful for you this morning. I wonder how many of us remember the name Alan Hall. Alan Hall was found guilty of the murder of Arthur Easton, who was killed in a violent home invasion in 1985. Do you remember that case? It rocked New Zealand, didn't it? Alan Hall spent 19 years in prison for that crime. When people heard the details, how did they feel as that awful crime happened in New Zealand, which at that time especially was such a safe place? People were filled with disgust or horror, Maybe we had feelings of anger or disbelief that this could happen in our own country. Those feelings are the sorts of feelings that we should have when a violent crime happens, aren't they? When someone is found guilty, we should feel horror inside us. But recently, those feelings towards Alan Hall have changed. In June this year, Mr. Hall's conviction was quashed. He is no longer a convicted murderer. It was discovered that evidence was doctored and key witness statements were deliberately left out of the trial. The country's top judge, Chief Justice Helen Winkleman, has given an absolutely brutal assessment of the Crown's dealings, which put him behind bars for nearly two decades, and then it's taken nearly another two decades for Mr Hall to clear his name. She said, it is clear that justice has been seriously miscarried in this case. Shouldn't that horrify us just as much as the crime? Alan Hall spent 19 years of his life behind bars because of a miscarriage of justice. That should grieve us. This morning's passage sees Abraham wrestling with a potential miscarriage of justice. As God prepares to judge the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for their rejection of God's way. As we walk through this passage, we're going to hear of a coming judgment, which Abraham has to grapple with himself. And we'll see how his engagement with God is both a comfort for Christians in verses 16 to 21 and a catalyst for Christians in verses 22 to, uh, verses 17, no, 22 to 33. Why don't we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you that you speak to us by your word. We pray this morning that you would help us to see your righteous justice. We pray that this passage would be a comfort for us as we think about what you are like and what your character is, and that it would be a catalyst that spurs us into action, that we might share the good news all the more as the day of judgment approaches. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Well, if you flick back to the last chapter in your Bibles, if you've got them open, you'll see the last time that we met with Abraham about five or six weeks ago, and he'd received special visitors who'd come to them. Uh, He'd offered them generous hospitality, if you remember, 
and it was revealed in the course of their visit that one of the visitors was God himself in human form. He was appearing as a man to Abraham. And God had come to him with good news, news which seemed too good to be true. It was a further development of the covenant promise that had been made to Abraham decades earlier. Do you remember the content of that promise? God had told Abraham that he would have three things. He would inherit a land, that he would become a great people, and that he would be a blessing to the whole world. And when he visited, God amplified that promise. Abraham and Sarah would have a son of their own. At 99 and 90 years old, it would happen. And it would be through their own flesh and blood that this promise of God would come to pass. Well, the account which was just read for us by Michaela this morning picks up from there. It's the same visit. God is accompanied by two angels and he's making his way towards Sodom and Gomorrah. He looks down towards Sodom with a mind to judge those cities. And we see in verse 16 that Abraham walks with him. That term walking with the Lord is symbolic of his relationship. It's a term we still use today. We talk about our walk with the Lord, don't we? As they walk, we see the depth of that relationship and the first thing that should comfort us. It is this, that God makes his plans known. As most of you know, my family have just spent three weeks in Indonesia bringing our short time as mission partners there to an end. Uh, And one of the things that Indonesians love, apart from fried rice or nasi goreng, uh, is uh, special little proverbs called pepata. Uh, and there is one that sums up our family just perfectly. It goes like this. Bua jatu tira jua dari pohonya. What that means is the fruit doesn't fall very far from the tree. It's a saying where a son is very much like his father. Now that's true in our family. William and I both have a terrible tendency to plan something out in our minds and assume that everybody else in the family understands our plan, even though we haven't told them. Uh, Both of the boys at the vicarage can get to the end of the day and look a bit deflated or a bit down because their grand plans for the day haven't been fulfilled. Uh, Maybe we had plans in our mind to go to the beach or to hit a golf ball around or to sit down and play a board game as a family, but we didn't tell anyone. We kept it inside. We had a great plan, but we kept it to ourselves. Friends, thankfully, God is not like that. Look at verse 17. He shares his intentions with Abraham. And we see here an internal reflection, a question God asks himself. He's asking the question, can Abraham be trusted with my plans? Well, God chooses to reveal his plan to Abraham because Abraham will be a blessing to all the nations, verse 18. And for that to come to pass, Abraham and his descendants will need to walk in God's ways, verse 19. They will need to do what is right and just and pass on that way of living that is right and just to their own children. A son must be like his father in God's thought. And so God reveals his plan to Abraham so that he can clearly establish the difference between what is righteous and what is wicked. The righteous will live God's way which he had made known then and makes known now. God was explicit with Abraham in chapter 17 that the righteous ones, his people, must set themselves apart. And as a sign of that, they would circumcise their flesh. For those of us who live in the new covenant in the Lord Jesus, we must circumcise our hearts. 
as we show that we believe that Jesus is Lord. It's much more comprehensive as a faith response, isn't it, than cutting off a piece of flesh. We're to take every part of our lives and present them to God as a living sacrifice. And that is possible. It is possible to honour God with our lives. And it's possible because God reveals his plans and tells us what it is that he expects from us. He does that to Abraham by speaking directly to him here. And he does that for us, speaking to us in the scriptures and bringing them alive to us by the Holy Spirit. How is that a comfort? Well, it's a comfort for us now because God reveals his plans. We don't have to guess how he wants us to live. He isn't silent. We can take great comfort in knowing that he reveals his plans to us. We also take comfort from this passage as we see how he keeps his covenant promises. They never falter or fail. In sharing this course of action with Abraham, God positions Abraham to be a blessing to all nations for the first time. Abraham hears God's intention to investigate and to judge Sodom in verse 21, and Abraham is moved. He is concerned for the future of the righteous within that city. He's given an opportunity here to intercede for the righteous within Sodom. And so he makes an intercession for the transgressors, just as the Lord Jesus will, as he's crucified for us. God is also keeping his covenant promise by planning to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. For the land to be Abraham's, the other nations must be wiped from the area. For Abraham's children to follow the ways of the Lord, these oppressive and contaminating lives of the Sodomites and the Gomorites must come to an end. Otherwise, surely their influence will be even greater and felt closer to home than it was with Abraham's nephew Lot back in chapter 14. Do you remember he made his home among their people? And that had a terrible impact for him. Friends, that is a comfort for us. Because it means that we can continue to trust in God's promises to us in Jesus. In John 5, 19, this morning, we heard Jesus say, He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Their unity is such that Jesus can't act in a way that the Father wouldn't. He can only keep his promises to us just as we've seen him keep his promises to Abraham. We're also comforted here because we see that God acts for the good of the righteous. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and grievous, verse 20 tells us. It is so bad that God has heard an outcry from heaven. It's picture language that we've heard before, haven't we? Where did we hear it? At the Tower of Babel. Like then, the writer of Genesis describes God coming down to see for himself what is going on. It is God's intention to judge the wicked. That is crystal clear. But only if the sin of these cities matches what he has heard. He will not bring about destruction without merit. John 5 tells us the same thing. Jesus will only judge the unrighteous, those who aren't found in him. There is nowhere that we can see God acting for the good of the righteous more clearly than on the cross. In that place, Jesus faces the full wrath of God on our behalf, 
so that those who believe in him and are credited with his righteousness might believe. He said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, for they have crossed over from death to life. It's in John chapter 5, verse 24. Isn't that great news? He is acting for the good of the righteous. In judging Sodom and Gomorrah, God is acting for the good of the righteous. He will always act for the good of his people. He did it for Israel time and time again. We see it through the Old Testament as a pointer to the future, where in the death of the Lord Jesus, he would do the same, and that all nations might be blessed through Abraham's descendant, our Lord. God is acting always for the good of the righteous. Well, that's the first conversation in the passage, and I hope it brings us comfort as we see those three things. And the second conversation that happens should spur us on to action. It should be a catalyst for us. It should be a catalyst for how Christians engage in the world today. When we pick up at verse 22, we see that now Abraham acts. He's heard God's intention and now he does something about it. He petitions God and he intercedes for any righteous people who might be caught up in this judgment. He pleads first for 50 in verse 27. And with great boldness, knowing that God is trustworthy, he just keeps narrowing that down. And we see that number decreasing and we laugh, don't we? As we see Abraham's boldness at petitioning God like that. Six times Abraham probes God's faithfulness. Six times he checks that God will act justly. His declaration in verse 25 sits at the heart of his questioning. He said, far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of the earth do what is right? In this situation, will God do what is right? Will Yahweh be any better than the fickle gods of the lands around Abraham that are worshipped by the pagans? Of course he will. God is faithfulness. God is trustworthiness. Abraham affirms it in his questioning. Will God sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Of course not. There is no doubt in the text that Sodom and Gomorrah are wicked. Their hearts are hard, and they're totally committed to rebellion against God. But Abraham is worried that perhaps there will be some there who might be saved. Perhaps there are some there who are faithful to the covenant. Perhaps some might be saved and start a faithful remnant. And so he intercedes even in the face of judgment. Talk of judgment today isn't overly popular, is it? It's not much fun to prepare sermons about, I'll tell you. It's not an easy conversation starter, is it, to talk about the judgment of God. You can't really imagine walking into the smoko room at work or maybe morning tea in an aged care facility and saying, my minister preached a great sermon on judgment at the weekend. You're in big trouble. Jesus is going to judge you. Let me tell you all about it right here, right now. The flames are licking at your feet. It's not a great starting point for a conversation about Jesus, is it? We're afraid of judgment. We should be afraid of judgment. 
But I think in the church we've created this false dichotomy between the Old and New Testaments, where we have this idea that in the Old Testament, God was angry and judged. And then in the New Testament, Jesus comes along and is so friendly and kind. He's hugging lambs and having picnics at the seaside. But that's not the continuity of Scripture. John 5 puts an end to that kind of thinking, doesn't it? We are here we saw Jesus speaking clearly about judgment and that the Father would not do it without him. Judgment by Jesus is a reality that our world faces. And that should spur us on, friends. That should spur us on into prayer like Abraham. Prayer for a lost and confused and rebellious world where hearts are hard. We have an opportunity to do that as a church. We pray for our world and intercede on a Sunday, which is fantastic. We should be doing that as individuals, praying for people through the week. But we also have a wonderful opportunity where we gather together to pray for our world as a church every month. Now, I have to say that sadly, that church meeting is generally attended by six to eight people on a good day. Sometimes there's three or four of us there. Friends, if we believe that God will judge the world, then we must be praying for the world. We should be joining together to pray to bring those people before God. If we really love other people and love our world, should we not be interceding before God like Abraham did? I would love to see you this Tuesday at one o'clock down in the hall to do that together, that we might come before God and lift this world which will face judgment before him. The reason that Abraham could petition God the way he did, and he does do it boldly, doesn't he? He looks really cheeky as he continues to narrow that number down. The reason Abraham could do that is because God is God. He is who he is. He is holy and faithful and true, and he can only act in line with his character. Friends, that truth should be a catalyst for us because judgment is coming. To judge is a part of God's character. But God would not then and will not now punish the righteous with the wicked. Isn't it exciting to see how Abraham responded in the face of this judgment? Faced with the potential destruction with those who might be counted among God's people, he acted with amazing boldness. We live in a time when many are perishing. Are we acting with boldness? We live in a time where people are trapped in hopeless sin. They're totally opposed to God. There is a world at our doorstep which needs to hear the good news of Jesus. But most of us are too polite to say anything. Maybe we even find the kind of strong language of judgment and perishing offensive. But friends, we're faced with the reality that God judges and will judge. And look at how Abraham responded. He stood before the Lord, verse 22. He spoke boldly with God, and we can too. Like Abraham, we should intercede. We should be constant in prayer for this lost world. We should be naming people that we know who we long to come to know the Lord Jesus. We should be asking God to make himself known to them so that they might escape the coming judgment, which Jesus has warned us of in John's gospel today. That was all Abraham could do. 
but there's actually much more that we can do as people of God. We can invest in the lives of the lost. By opening our lives and our homes and our families to people who don't know Jesus, we can start to show our world a different way of living. We can love in a sacrificial and costly and radical way, choosing to share the things that the world holds on to. And as we invest, we will have opportunities to invite. We can invite people who don't know Jesus to the things that we do as Christians. Maybe we could even be so bold as to invite someone to read a passage of the Bible with us. We could invite them to pray with us. We could invite them to something like Friends and Fun, which happens here through the week on a Monday and a Thursday. We could invite someone to bring their kids to junior youth group. We could invite a friend to AAW or a special Christmas service. We've just last weekend had a wonderful opportunity to invite people to our exhibition, to our dinner, to our prayer breakfast, to our services. There's been so much opportunity to share something of the life of the church. Who did you invite to share that with you? Maybe you could even invite someone to a church service. Someone who you know has been a part of church life before but isn't coming anymore. So that they might hear something of the good news of Jesus. And we can introduce people. We can introduce people we know to other Christians. And we can introduce people we know who don't know Jesus to our Lord. We can be making links and connections for our non-Christian and our Christian friends so that they can build relationship and connection together. That might help provide more opportunities to see what the Christian life really looks like. As we build those relationships, then we'll find opportunities to introduce people to Jesus, to offer to pray for them, maybe to offer to pray with them. We will have opportunities with some, but not all but with some to open the Bible and to introduce them to God face to face in his word. Friends, if we believe that God will spare the righteous, then shouldn't we be motivated to helping non-believers connect with his covenant promises in the Lord Jesus? I've got a friend who plays indoor golf with half a dozen guys. It's golf on a computer screen. It's pretty fancy. It's got lots of lasers that work out where your ball would have gone, and then it gets you closer to the hole. Now, he plays indoor golf every week with half a dozen guys. There are three or four from his church and a couple of his non-Christian mates. And this week he told me he was going to ask the question, you know I go to church. Where are you at with God? There's a chance he'll be rejected for asking that question, isn't there? They might not want to come to indoor golf next week. They might find many other convenient excuses to be anywhere else. But there's much more to gain than my mate might lose. Because those friends might start now asking questions as he begins the gentle conversation. What did we hear in the word of God this morning? We heard Jesus say that those who hear his voice will live. And isn't that what we want for our world? It's what God wants for his world. It is his plan to save the world through his son which he has revealed to us. He has asked us to partner in that with him during the time that Jesus has ascended to heaven. That is our purpose, and that is our privilege in the power of God's Holy Spirit, to witness to Jesus. Isn't it a relief to know that even in the face of judgment, with God there can be no miscarriage of justice, that when he judges, 
he will judge justly and rightly. Having investigated and gone down and seen the states of the hearts that are before him. There will be no situations like Alan Hall's on the day of judgment. God's character will not allow for any miscarriage of justice. He is right and true and faithful. Isn't it wonderful that he reveals his plans and that he has given us this gift of time to share them with others who don't yet know him? Yes, plans for judgment. Judgment which is right and just, but also plans for redemption and rescue and salvation for all who are justified by the free gift of grace and the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a joy? Isn't that life-changing to know that the guilty can be redeemed? Doesn't that spur us on to invite and introduce and invest and intercede? Why don't we pray and ask God's Spirit to give us boldness like Abraham? so that many might come to know him. Let's pray. Lord, we don't much like the idea of judgment. We fear for the day that you will judge the world. But we ask, Lord, that you would use your plan of judging to spur us on, that we might share the good news of Jesus. Lord, thank you that you investigate and get close and look at hearts that you judge rightly and justly. Lord, we pray that you would spur us on as a church to share the good news of Jesus, so that on the day of judgment there might be many men and women and children who have come to stand with you and will escape that judgment, who have passed from death to life because of our witness. Lord, we can't do that on our own. We are fearful and afraid. We're not bold, we are meek. But in the power of your Holy Spirit, please, Would you help us to do that and to do it for your glory? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to connect with more of our online content at Holy Trinity in Richmond, you can do that by going to our YouTube page simply by searching for Richmond Anglican Aotearoa. You can also touch base with us online at our website or on Facebook by searching with those same words. Friends, we're so thankful that you've joined us online and that you're enjoying our content. We really do hope and pray that God is blessing you through it. If you've got any feedback, you can touch base with me, zane at richmondparish.nz. Thanks so much for listening. Music